The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Luis Barrera is a gripping storyteller who's unveiling the tumultuous journey of Nicolas Santiago, a rebellious soldier in the journey to freedom, path to World War III, where duty clashes with family and the aftermath reveals a world plunged into darkness and chaos. And Luis is with us here. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm excellent, thank you. So this book is, of course, called The Journey to Freedom, Path to World War Three, which is a gripping tale. So can you just give us a brief overview of the book? Basically, the book is about uh, a Mexican-American soldier that is telling his story of uh, how he personally became to be the way he is now, you know, because uh, his daughter was uh, murdered by drug cartels over in Mexico. And uh, how he basically just starts to lose it and he starts to take revenge for them. Uh, but not only that, but the book also has um, it has a plot twist also because it, it, yeah. it's not just uh, the story that he's telling about his daughter, you know, and how he lost his ex-wife and his fiance. Uh, but it also takes place uh, in a in a futuristic world, in a post-apocalyptic world, because a new country that was developing uh, a new kind of weapon basically shuts down about 90% of the world's electronics. So basically the whole world had to go back to the dark ages and live without electronics and try to survive any way they could. And you mentioned about the protagonist having his own significant challenges in the book. So how did you approach developing such a complex character? A lot of the stuff that happens to my character actually happened to me in real life. So when I was uh, going to college and um, basically just, you know, just studying whatever I could and just trying to get gain more knowledge uh my teacher once told me he's like well if you're gonna pass this reading exam you need to give me something personal and if you can you know uh the first uh the first rule of thumb for writing is write what you know and was that quite difficult to write about things that you've experienced or was it actually quite cathartic some was easy a lot of the stuff that I put in for Nicholas's character uh, while he was growing up in his teenage years and his youth years uh, was kind of hard because it's stuff that I actually had to remember for myself. And uh, it's just stuff that I just didn't want to remember. But, you know, you have to make a certain sacrifice in order for you to, you know, keep going forward. And were there any particular rewarding moments during the overall writing of the book? Yeah, I actually didn't think I was going to be able to finish the book. You know, <laughs> I, I, I had uh, so many doubts in myself. But uh, what pushed me to go forward uh, after stopping writing for about two years was that when my mom had passed away, uh, I had deleted the whole entire book. Wow. And then uh, I think like two years after my mom had passed away, I was going through the closet, saw the laptop, 
and I was cleaning it out and I was like, I thought I deleted the book and I looked, it was somehow there. Oh, wow. And uh, so what ended up happening was I actually started reading the book from the very beginning and then I just picked it up right there where I was. Like, I think I went three days straight with no sleep writing. And even my boss had called me. He was like, hey, are you okay? You coming to work? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, like, sorry, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> oh, wow. When you were sort of going back and rediscovering the book, did you change any elements of the bits that you'd already written? I changed a few things here and there because I was thinking in my head, like, what was I thinking when I wrote this? I think it sounds better if I just rewrite it this way. Yeah. So there, there was a few things that I did rewrite. Uh, not everything, uh, but there was a few things, maybe uh, maybe certain scenarios, you know, try to make them more realistic uh, because um, it just sounded a little too fantasy. And the book and his, uh, my, my book's uh, character's life had to be realistic it has to be some way somehow where people can actually relate to him if you didn't find the laptop with the saved book on it do you think you would ever have gone back to it and maybe just started again or was it maybe meant to be that you found it actually if i've never would have found the laptop and if the book really wasn't there i probably wouldn't Honestly, I probably wouldn't. (laughs) In the book, there are several themes like surviving in a post-apocalyptic world. So what messages or themes were you hoping to convey to the readers through Nicholas's journey? Because of the fact that the the show, The Walking Dead, you know, is, you know, a lot of people go and watch that show and be like, oh, you know, I can do that. I can survive, you know, in zombie worlds. And, And, you know, I keep thinking, like you know it's you probably could because it's fantasy you know you could make up all these kinds of scenarios but if you put a real life perspective of just surviving with no electronics and no tools it makes it a little bit harder yeah so that was the only reason why i actually wanted to make the book more realistic you know you know, you there's there's no there's no running water. You know, you have to actually go to the river, grab the water, boil it. You know, you have to clean it. You know, it there's more process than just going to the river and just getting water and drinking it. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a long process to, to survive with no technology. How do you think the exploration that you do of family dynamics and the fatherly instinct add depth to the story? Well, I have three daughters myself. So, I mean, my fatherly instincts are always at set on a very, very high level and they're always on, you know, so that, that that's another reason why Nicholas is so hell bent on the point that, you know, he has to protect his daughters. He has to make sure that they're always good. They're always alive, you know, and they always have everything that they need, even in a world of no power and no technology. Yeah. And you mentioned the world has no power, no technology. How did you go about creating that setting you know it's it's like i said you know everybody always watches the show the walking dead you know and and there's always and there's always so so many post-apocalyptic uh kind of worlds uh but i think like my uh my biggest inspiration was probably uh the mad max movies yeah you know not the new one not the new one that came out you know the original ones the one with mel gibson i mean those were a big inspiration for me i was like you know what would happen if we lived in an actual world where you actually actually had to survive in that post-apocalyptic setting was there a kind of reflection on the current world that you were trying to 
create, perhaps? So the reflection was is that um, people are too uh, they're they're too comfortable with the technology nowadays. You know, it's you you can't walk down the street you know without holding your phone and looking at it. Yeah. You know, I personally you know had to walk around the grocery store and people actually bump into me while they're looking down on their phone, and and they'll tell me like, "Hey, watch where you're going." I'm like, uh, "Excuse me, I wasn't even on my phone." You're the <laughs> one that's on your phone, so. You know, people are too reliant on technology. You know, they're too obsessed with it. So that was kind of the reflection that I wanted. I was like, you know what? I don't want technology in this book. Like, I want everybody to be, you know, the way I was when I was growing up, you know, in my great grandparents' ranch in Mexico. You know, I want there to be no technology. I want everything to go back to square one. Yeah. Do you think the world is better for that in the book? Because we say post-apocalyptic and that's kind of generally seen as a negative thing because it's usually when the world is kind of, there's nothing left and it's all bad. But when there's no technology, I guess there's positives. Yeah, the positive is, is that uh, people actually get to see people as humans and not just things that they use, you know, and they're, they actually see that people exist are out there, you know, yeah. you know, they, you have people that start reading books, you know, you start, you have people uh, that start farming, you know, they go fishing, they go do, they have markets, you know, they go out and travel, you know, they don't have to sit in their house anymore. They actually get to walk around and travel. There's no yeah. cars, you know, so they actually have to walk everywhere, you know, and, and in my book, Nicholas has to walk everywhere in what he calls the shattered union, mm. you know, so it takes him almost like 30, 40 days to walk from one place to from the south of the, uh, what is the United States all the way up to the north part of the United States. You know, and I had to do a lot of accounting and a lot of thinking and a lot of math where, you know, you walk 10 hours, you rest maybe two, and then you sleep for eight, and then you got to take accountability, you know, sleeping, eating and everything. So it was more hours that I had to add. So the good the good thing is, is that is, is that, yeah, you know, people actually have to go out nowadays and, you know, look at the world, see the sun, you know, because it's, you know, thanks to COVID, there's too many introverts. Yes. You know, but, and before that, you know, there was everybody always outside camping, going to parks, like people nowadays just don't want to be outside anymore. Yeah, that's certainly true. Do you think the book will maybe give people a wake up call and want to go outside? Because if they're sitting inside reading a book, obviously they're not outside. Right. So book one might be that little spark that they that it would that they will give but i think book two will actually give them that uh notion to actually step outside because i put so many survival tactics in book two and i'm pretty sure if people were to read that they would be like hey well you know what i'm i actually want to try that i want to see if the magnifying glass actually does this you know well you mentioned book two can you give us a bit of a glimpse as to what we can expect in the future book? Book two has a lot of walking, a lot of survival tactics, and uh, and a little bit more background on him and my character and the way he uh, travels around and why he uh, why he is so proficient with uh, in martial arts and in uh, in swordsmanship. Without giving away too much, obviously, were there any specific aspects? of the storyline or characters in book one that you intentionally left kind of open-ended in order to continue in book two? Yeah. Um, so basically, the one open end that I keep leaving 
and book one and two is um, the fact that he wants to write things uh, when he was sent on a suicide mission. You know, he was meant to fail and the culprit that sent him on that suicide mission is still alive. So that is what is driving him to keep going forward. And the book explores Mexican culture. Mexican culture plays a significant part in it. So how did you approach incorporating these cultural elements into the storyline? Well, because... I'm Mexican myself, you know, and, you know, my, my parents, you know, they came from Mexico, you know, I was the first child born in the United States, but they always told me while you were born in the United States, you are Mexican, you know, so you must learn both cultures that way so you can survive in both sides. So that's what Nicholas is. He is just another Mexican trying to survive in a world where, you know, he does, he does the best that he can to you know move forward was it important for you to accurately represent mexican culture in it yes it was very very important to me uh because um hollywood seems to you know portray us as just typical drug dealers cartels you know you know we're farm workers you know we're babysitters you know we're housekeepers you know but we're we're so much more than that you know we we also come over here you know we work hard uh you know the ones that are born here like me you know we go to the military you know we try to represent the country and our people um you know and for me this was a very important book because um i see so many shows and i see so many movies and i read so many books and almost there's almost zero percent of mexican heroes so i was like i want this guy to be the first mexican hero it's like even when i went to go get my book published in this company over here in fort worth uh the lady had told me she was like uh well maybe you should make the character black or white because there's really no mexican heroes i was like well my character's gonna be the first and like i that's what i want that's quite shocking really that it's the first mexican hero and there needs to be a first and you need to challenge the stereotypes otherwise you'll always end up with mexicans just being typecast won't you oh yeah How do you feel that readers from all sorts of different cultural backgrounds, whether they're Mexican or not, will connect with all the different themes that are presented in The Journey to Freedom? My character's team is a diverse, full of, is is a diverse culture of, you know, friends. You know, you know, AB is is white, you know, but he grew up, you know, in a black neighborhood. You got Marcus. Marcus is black, you know, and, you know, he grew up in a very prestigious family. Uh, you got Lawrence. Lawrence is the first Jamaican born American, you know, from his family coming from Jamaica. You know, these were all friends of mine in the military, you know, and, you know, so I had to put them in there because we were just a large, vast, diverse culture friends, you know, that we just kept learning about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if there was one message overall that you'd want readers to take away from book one, what would it be? The message would would be you can really overcome your traumas i mean all the traumas that nicholas has gone through i went through you know it takes time but you really can overcome and become stronger and a better person than what you were uh before 
and after your traumas. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is book one, which is out now. It's called The Journey to Freedom, Path to World War Three. When can we expect book two to come out? Is there a timescale for that yet? Oh, no. Book two is already out. Uh, I, I just had it published, I think, in July of this year. Uh, but I just finished book three in October. And that one won't be published until August, uh, August 7th, 2024, Um it's my mom's birthday, so it's it's a very special day for me. That's very exciting. And in the meantime, where are we able to find books one and two for now? They are actually on Amazon.com. Uh, you have to look up The Journey to Freedom, Path to World War III. Uh, I've already set it up where it is a book series. So the book series will, uh, the book series link will actually uh, set you up with all the books that are on there. Brilliant. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate you. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.